We've been in the book of Acts. We're going to finish that today. And um, then we're going to be heading into a series on the parables of Jesus through July and August. And so um, one more time to spend together in the book of Acts this morning. Confirmation and high school students, so fun to have you in here. And um, I, yeah, it's just always really nice to look around and see, um, see this group with us. And I appreciate you uh, leaning in and worshiping, worshiping with your church body um, together. Uh, when I was in college, I went on one of my first ever like, mission trips. And it was to a city in Mexico. And what it was was, uh, I don't know, 100, 100 college students or so. Um, gathered together in an area in Mexico and camped. And then what we would do is we would be sent out from this camp to do work around the city um, that, was, that was near where we were staying. And I'll never forget the day we got there. We, we, we did our camp. We got it all set up. And our leaders came to us and they said, all right, we've got a number of different areas that you're going to all go and, and serve and hang out. And they began to name the different things we do. And it's familiar stuff to many of you. Um, Bible schools and working in soup kitchens and just doing a variety of things like that. And our group was kind of sitting, a group of friends that I knew I'd be with, but we didn't know what we were doing. We were sitting there and they came to us and they said, your group is going to go tomorrow morning and you're going to go to a prison that's nearby and you're going to play basketball with the prisoners. And I thought, awesome. <laughs> this sounds amazing um, to get to play basketball on this mission trip. And I didn't give a whole lot of thought to where we were going or who we would be playing with. And so the next morning we woke up and we got in our vans and we drove to our different spots. And I'll never forget the day we pulled into this parking lot, into this prison in Mexico. And we began to walk the campus and walk in to prepare to, to hang out with the people that we were asked to hang out with. Um, I, had, I think I'd been to Alcatraz by then. I don't know if that counts as visiting a prison or not. Um, not one that was active. Um, but I'd never been to a prison before. Um, and how this was all set up was there was this recreational space in the middle that had basketball hoops, but it was used for a lot of different things. And literally surrounding this space were, the, were some of the cells that um, primarily men in this prison stayed. Um, and immediately my mind, because of how I'd been formed in our culture and, and kind of um, enculturated, like it just went to these categories of good and bad and free and imprisoned um, and guilty and innocent. It's so hard to like not have your brain just think in these very simplistic categories. Um, prisoner and jailer. Um, well, they pulled us onto the court, and um, on the court was a number of men um, who were ready to play basketball. And I was just kind of like taking this all in, but knew we we're about to play basketball too, which was fun. Um, and organized the teams and rolled the ball out and we just started doing all of us what we knew how to do and we just started playing basketball there was no, there was a major language barrier um, obvious cultural barriers social location differences but we had this commonality 
where I think we found a space for just an hour or so, and then the next morning as well, um, where we found this space between good and bad, guilty and innocent, um, right and wrong. We found this human space as we played basketball together. Um, We went home that night, um, having really enjoyed ourselves, processing a ton. Um, We went back the next morning and did it all over again. Um, And once again, felt like in 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 a space that I was so unfamiliar with, we found this space of humanity um, as we played together a little bit. That's the, the metaphor I want us to think about as we finish Acts today. So many of our stories that we've looked at have been about people in seemingly different places joining in a human space um, between categories that would seem to divide. Um, and so I just want to look at one more story where I think this happens that I think connects with some of the current events going on. And then we're going to share a little bit. A couple of people are going to share about ways that we as a church are trying to enter these spaces between, these human spaces. Um, the story starts with Paul and Silas. And this is kind of right after the story with Lydia that Brad talked about a number of weeks ago. And Paul and Silas are walking to a place for prayer, and they meet a slave woman. And she has a spirit that enables her to predict the future. She made a lot of money for her owners through fortune telling. And she began following Paul and this whole group, shouting, these people are servants of the Most High God. They're proclaiming a way of salvation to you. And you kind of get this feeling like, oh, she gets it. She knows what they're about. This is awesome. Um, And she did this for many days. This annoyed Paul. Paul, why did this annoy you? And we don't have a whole lot of time to spend on this, but it's a very worthwhile question. Um, And it annoyed Paul so much that he finally turned and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave her. It left her at that very moment. Um, I wonder why that annoyed him so bad, that she knew what was going on. Um, It seems that there was some kind of link between the oppression that she was experiencing as a slave woman and the religious language that she was able to kind of spit out um, that would maybe have made Paul and Silas and others feel good in the moment, but Paul was able to see deeper, like, no, there's a deeper oppression going on here, even though the religious language um, is laid on top. Um, Disciples are those who can see through God talk and religious language to powers, forces that shape. Um, And there's many in this room who've had a long personal journey of working through movement beyond and deeper than just talk um, to real substance and action, to a a space between. Um, Well, her owners were not happy about this. They realized that their hope for making money was gone. And they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the officials in the city center. When her owners approached the legal authorities, they said, 
These people are causing an uproar in our city. They are Jews who promote customs that we Romans can't accept or practice. And I want us to just sit with this this statement for a minute. Because this statement right here holds so much um, and has echoed in oppressive ways throughout history and throughout the generations. Um, Owners who do well by the way things are coming with massive fear that things might change. Um, And saying, these people are causing an uproar in our city. These people are shaking things up. These people are making things different. Um, Cultivating fear amongst people. Fear of difference, fear of the other. They are Jews who promote customs that we Romans can't accept or practice. Um, In this case, it's people who are Jewish that obviously has connections to the story in in the Exodus when um, a people group is blamed and enslaved, right? Um, It obviously echoes up through horrific acts. against people who are Jewish um, throughout history. But it's not just Jewish people either. This statement has been used, as many of you are aware, um, over the generations to ostracize um, some in the name of keeping things the same, uh, in the name of keeping things, um, quote unquote, calm or stable. Um, It's a really heavy statement. And why it's used and why it's happened and and has continued to be used um, is because people gathered. People surrounded them and the fear was raised and it worked. And Paul and Silas were thrown into prison because of what they did. The reason these kinds of statements, the reason what singling out people groups, xenophobia, um, is used is because oftentimes it works. Um, We see this right now going on in our our culture, I think, in some of the current events. Um, Well... um, They're placed in prison. Um, the crowd joins in the attacks. Um, Paul and Silas are, um, they suffer greatly. Um, and they're placed in kind of the most solitary of confinement in, in the prison, Acts tells us. And I think what's interesting or what was helpful for me in in kind of preparing for today is is some things that Willie Jennings writes about incarceration. And I just want to read some of them to us. 
Incarceration and prisons have constantly been placed right in the middle of moral discourse about right and wrong, good and evil, innocence and guilt, crime and punishment. And he goes on to say that there's this reality that people do bad things. We all know that. We've all had bad done to us. We've all probably done bad things. People do bad things. Um, there's also this reality that people go to prison or are incarcerated. Um, but what has happened is in our culture, we've, we've placed these realities together as if there is no space or humanity between them. Does that make sense? If you watch children play, you can see this play out. Um, bad guys go to jail. That's like the, the initial, like, or the immediate kind of response. Um, but I think what this passage is inviting us to remember is that there is this space of humanity between these two statements of fact. Because the truth is, there are people who have not done bad things who are in prison. And there are people who have done really bad things who are not in prison. Um, and disciples of Jesus, right here, Paul and Silas, they find themselves, I think, right in this space. I mean, they're in prison, but they are in this space recognizing that there's more to the story. Um, disciples of today, us, we are called um, to this space. And it's really tricky to figure out how to get to that space. Um, but it's a space of, of the gospel. Um, in Hebrews 13, there's this great list of like kind of Christian ways of living, like how a Christian might want to think about living. Um, and the first one is like, Extend hospitality. Open up your home. You might, you might welcome an angel. The second one is visit those in prison as if you were them. The third one is work on your marriage. Don't cheat on your spouse. The next one is be wise with your money. Be generous. Like it's this list that visit the prisoner is right there. With have people over for dinner, prioritize your marriage, be wise with your money, visit prisoners. There's a space there that we need to get. Um, when I was invited into that space to play basketball, I had no idea at all the kind of Christian tradition that we were being invited into to go and play. Um, um, but it was a beautiful space. It was, a, it was a formative space. There's another space in between that Paul and Silas enter um, in this story. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. 
All at once, there was such a violent earthquake that it shook the prison's foundations. The doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The gospel story, the work of the Spirit, shakes prison's foundations. That's an amazing thing. That's worth saying amen to. Uh, we we, we got we to figure out what that looks like, but God shakes the foundations of prisons that hold us in different categories and move us to this space of humanity that we're talking about. Um, so they worship. And I think it's so important to remember, like, this worship is very similar to the worship of Christ right before his crucifixion. Right? This moment of suffering. Christian worship begins in suffering and affirmation of joy and moves from Gethsemane to the ascension. And I want to say, and others have said it, it's not my idea, but Jesus moves from this place of suffering through resurrection all the way to ascension gathering all of us who are along that path. Can I get an amen for that? All of us. But it begins in this place, in Gethsemane, in a prison, in whatever the prisons are that we experience. Praise begins there and moves to resurrection and ascension and brings us all along with it. So when we gather here on Sunday mornings, I mean, if we, if we don't remember that, that's when I think Sunday mornings feel like, why am I here? We've all felt that. Can I get an amen on that too? Um, when we come and we don't remember this movement, we can look around and go, man, I really like everyone in here. Brett is really cool to hang out with. <gasps> but why am I, why are, we, why are we doing this? We could be doing so many things. We're doing this because we are proclaiming that in the spaces that are the roughest, God is working and is moving and we are a part and caught up in that movement. And so when we sing songs together, there's some songs we sing that some of us love. Some of us, like, can't stomach them. There's a few smiles. You're guilty. I see, the, I see the smiles. I want to invite us to think when we're reading a psalm or singing a song that for whatever reason doesn't fit our experience, to ask the question, that's great, that's okay, but whose experience does this song fit? Whose experience needs to hear? We make beautiful things, or you make beautiful things, excuse me. Um, whose experience is caught up in um, a song? What's the one that gets me sometime? In this valley of darkness 
in this, oh no, in this valley of concrete. That's the one that sometimes I'm like, oh man, it's such a bummer. <laughs> I need to hear, no, who, who can sing that song today? And can I pray for them and bring them into this worship space? Um, trusting that God is working in all of the gamut of this journey. Um, the space between. The story goes on. Um, and the one who's transformed and liberated is the jailer. There's not a whole lot of talk about the prisoners in this story. The one who is set free is the jailer. The jailer is moved to this space of humanity. To the point where the jailer says to Paul and Silas, how can I be, how can I be saved? And the jailer, household, is exposed and brought in to the gospel to the point where the jailer is caring for the prisoners. Um, we together, as we do our work, are... are it's good for us to be reminded, and we're going to share about some of that work in a minute. It's good for us to be reminded that the jailer in this story is welcome into this place of humanity too. Um, you see, if we, if we separate good and bad, guilty and innocent, jailed and free, it hurts everyone. And the gospel is for everyone. You think, of, you think of whatever polar, polarity that is, that is on your mind and, and bugging you these days. There is a space between, a human space, that God wants to work. Um, so we, we, we've done this work. We've, we've talked about these kinds of things. Um, and what I want to do right now is just highlight some ways that God has moved us, moved people in our church. Also some ways where we have an opportunity to try to move into this space because our society doesn't make it really easy. Um, and, and we're just going to do that as an act of prayer and, and, and praise together. Um, the first person I've asked to, to share um, is Jonathan. Where'd Jonathan go? There he is. And Jonathan has been doing this kind of work for a number of years. Um, do some letter writing, and I'm just going to let you talk about what you do and how, yeah, how, thank you. I'm going to get a microphone for you. <laughs> so um, I, I became interested in prison through a number of different ways. Um, uh, some work I was doing, and then some people I came in contact with, uh, a childhood friend of mine went to prison. Um, in kind of a high-profile case in our hometown. Um, and prisons are just such an interesting phenomenon in America. Um, the, my least favorite statistic about our prisons is that um, California has uh, the same number of prisoners as the country of Iran, like, like almost exactly the same. 
and we have half the population of the country of Iran, just in California alone. Um, so that, that's a really kind of haunting statistic. Um, and, and those prisons are becoming more and more, I mean, prisons themselves are obviously very closed off, but they're becoming more and more leaking out into our society. So I've teased my students before, I don't do it anymore, but I've teased my students about their nice jewelry that they come to school with, which is the, the ankle bracelets that they, they wear. Um, places we go to shop, uh, that, that they, they've, boxes have been packed by prisoners. Um, and so, um, you know, people who fight prisons in California, a lot of them are prisoners, we don't know that. Um, so it, it's just it's just this huge beast, and, and it's it's becoming more and more a part of our life. And and I know um, I've presented here about writing letters to prisoners. Jason Taylor Pastel has has written some. Compassionate Action has become involved. Uh, one of our children was writing um, thank you letters to people who are fighting fires, and I I sent one to a prisoner. Um, and I haven't been as involved with the letter writing uh, lately, but um, next month I have an interview coming out with a group called ABO Comics, and you can look them up. It's a very interesting group. They publish comics um, by LGBTQ prisoners, and they try and bring voice to those people who are inside. Um, really amazing work, and they do a lot of letter writing, um, letter writing with prisoners inside, and they connect people. And um, it was a great interview. I had to go up to the Bay Area to do it. It's coming out next month, and I'll, I'll bring extra copies here if you want to read that. Um, but something, you know, Josh asked me to share what I've learned in this process. Um, and I remember Josh shared one time about Jesus and the way of the cross and the way of love and that that way that Jesus follows and asks us to follow takes him to places where, um, uh, you know, takes him to prison, takes him to be among uh, the crosses lining the, the streets in Rome or in, in Palestine. And, um, and that, that was just very interesting to me that, 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 that Jesus does, Jesus follows this way of love and yet it takes him to very dark places and has him interacting with people who um, are not, not necessarily like him um, and are not of the same loving mindset as him. And yet he is one of them because of um, what he's, he's done. The other one, um, the other thing that, that has come up with me um, is this idea of forgiveness and the shocking discovery that when I did the, the interview with ABO Comics, they were not Christians. Um, I can only imagine that they were very anti-Christian in their, the, you know, in, in their sort of anti-religion possibly. And yet um, the way they talked was very much in line with the Sermon on the Mount in creating spaces for forgiveness and creating places where we can take care of each other. Um, you know, ABO Comics is interested not in prison reform, but in prison abolition, completely getting rid of the system we have and, and starting over. And this person, Casper, I was talking to, um, was talking about forgiveness and talking about radical love and talking about extending our tables and opening our doors. And talking to one of these, these people of this mindset, I said, you know, I, I grew up in church, and the way you talk kind of sounds like the Sermon on the Mount. And, and they said, well, Jesus wasn't wrong about everything. And I just la I, I laughed at that, and I thought that was awesome. Um, and, and both of those things, both the way of the cross leading Jesus into dark places and realizing that the people doing this liberating work 
are a lot of ways in the same mind as Jesus. It just reminds me of uh, this quote from, from the Franciscan Richard Rohr. He talks about um, the mark of a Christian, that the one thing that we can say, this is what a Christian is, is if they see Christ everywhere. And I love that. And um, I love that. Um, that constantly reminds me as I, as I look for ways to be involved in this work, whether it be writing letters or giving light to a group like ABO, um, seeing Christ everywhere is, is such an important part of, of our faith. So that's it. Thank you. You can leave it right here, actually. Thanks. Um, there's a couple other ways I think our church is really working to enter this space of, hum- of humanness. Um, uh, and one of those, I was, I mean, this is so obvious, but I was meeting with Gene, who is the director of development for the IRC this week, and we were looking at um, donors um, and kind of who, who the, the donor list is that makes IRC happen. And this is not surprising at all, but so many of you are just peppered through this list um, at all sorts of different amounts. But the, the people who have like, because Gene tracks not only money, but like number of gifts. And the people who have given faithfully to the work of the IRC, which is this work that we are trying to enter in that space between guilty and innocent, that space between in and out, that space between who did it right and who did it wrong, um, and trying to bring humanity to that space, that's what the IRC does. And so many of you, and many people who are not here, you take what you've been, what you've earned, the, the money that you've poured blood, sweat, and tears, and work, and time, and energy into making, um, and you've given it to this work. Um, and you've given a lot more than just that. <laughs> I, I recognize that. Um, but I think the, the IRC is an example that where our body has entered into or tried to enter into um, this space. Um, we're, uh, there's a couple opportunities right now. We're looking for a, one more volunteer um, who's bilingual to volunteer four to eight hours per week. It's a way to enter that space. Um, if you know of anybody or you are someone who might be willing to do that, that's a way to enter that space to, um, to get involved. Um, for anybody who may not know, there's, there's been a number of current events recently where there's been threats of, of kind of intensified raids for people who are undocumented from the White House. Um, it, it also has been kind of pulled back for a little bit, but the fear is just everywhere. It fits with that statement that we read for, um, from the owners who have said, who talked about Paul and Silas. Um, and there's also been news stories of kind of the conditions of the detention centers that many of the people who are seeking asylum right now, um, trying to get into our country, are experiencing. Um, and then there's also been stories of tragedy along the border. Um, and so that has raised huge amounts of fear in the world um, and in our country and in, in um, specifically communities where people or family members are undocumented or are trying to, to seek asylum. 
And so we have a Know Your Rights event coming up on uh, June, July 11th. I know this is in Spanish. Um, but that's for anyone who either wants to learn more about what people's rights are so that you're better able to accompany people who, or just inform people who might need that information. And then obviously it's for people who might really benefit um, from that information. So July 11th, uh, right here at the church. Right now it's scheduled to be in the fellowship hall. We'll see if that's big enough. Um, but that's coming up. So that's another way to try to get into this space, this human space. Um, uh, this is a group of people who are a part of Nazarene churches around the country trying to do IRC-ish type things. Um, and this week, Pearl, this is Pearl right here. Um, she's going to be coming. She's coming out here for two months. She's going to live with the Steedmans. Um, and she's going to be shadowing Jonathan at the IRC 40 hours a week so that she can get certified and go back to Florida where she's from. To, to continue the work of trying to get an IRC type thing going in her church in Florida. Um, and so that's a way that Jake and Jordan and Jude and Henry um, are, are trying to get into this space, and certainly Pearl. Um, and it's a way that we can kind of also try to get into a space with our tradition of like, yeah, how do we engage our tradition in this human, human space as well? Um, this is... Uh, Sarah Bankert, she works for World Relief, and World Relief has been the primary partner um, for the IRC in terms of getting things going. Um, and they do a lot of work around asylum, and um, they are on the ground at the border. And so this week I reach, reached out to our Compassionate Action team, and um, they agreed, our, for those who may not know, our Compassionate Action team takes 10% of our giving each month and uses it to help us love our neighbors. Um, and so we're going to give $3,000 as a church uh, to World Relief towards asylum legal work right now for people who are needing legal um, support as they seek asylum um, on the border. And because we know World Relief so well and they've worked so hard to help us getting the IRC going, um, it feels really good and, and to, to be able to take that mo those monies and those gifts that we've all given um, to do that kind of work. And then we've also, um, through the Compassion Action Fund, are going to sponsor an upcoming panel that Joel Perez, he's working with John Williams, who's a pastor of Fellowship Monrovia, and we're going to have a panel here on immigration and faith in September. And then the next day, that's a Saturday morning, the 28th, and then on the 29th, Matt Sorens, who works at World Relief, He's agreed to come uh, only if we can just cover his airfare and, and housing, and that's what that $1,000 is for. Um, he's going to come. He's going to be on that panel Saturday, and then him and Jonathan Fung are going to share um, on Sunday morning that morning as well. And he's also kind of leads what's called the, the Evangelical Immigration Table. You may have heard of that. Um, and so he's going to be here, and he's going to help us um, kind of continue to think about how do we around immigration enter this, this human, human space. Um, Naomi's been working this week and she's going to come up next and she's going to tell us another way that Mountain Siders can, can try to get into this space um, as it pertains to, to life. Hi. So hi, uh, I'm Naomi, if you don't know me. Um, and on Sunday, July 
21st. Um, and we're going to, um, Mountainside and a couple other churches are going to host a worship service on a Sunday morning outside of, it's actually the exact address is the Adelanto Ice Processing Facility. Um, and uh, so it's um, up in Adelanto. It's about an hour and a half drive from here. Um, and what happened was that... Um, we were, Kevin and I were in Mexico for a week and we kind of just missed a lot of the news in the US and because we were on vacation and I came b back and I was really struck by the heaviness of the situation um, around immigration and all of these people who are so many asylum seekers who are being detained and I said, Kevin, what, is, what would be an appropriate Christian response? And he was like, well, I feel like we should march around it like Jericho so the walls fall down. And um, so I was really struck by that. So I started doing some research. Um, and in California, um, the immigrant children who are detained and separated from their families um, are tend to be in like foster care or group homes where they're not in cages, but they are in spaces where they're more well cared for than some of the child detainees in like Texas and Florida. But adult detainees in um, California are held in terrible conditions, and um, the Adelanto Ice Processing Facility is one of them. Uh, so they've had Homeland Security officials come and investigate. Their kitchen is full of food safety violations. Um, prisoners aren't, or detainees aren't getting access to medical care that they need. Um, they found a lot of nooses hanging from the cells because people are so desperate um, that they are considering taking their lives. Um, and they did have um, a person complete suicide there a few months ago. Um, and then it's also one of the spaces where there's been a lot of overcrowding, um, and even more so um, because when I was there on Friday, I talked to some women who are from an organization in Orange County that visits detainees, and the Orange County Sheriff's Department ended their contract with ICE, and so all of those detainees got shipped up to Adelanto, which was already near capacity. Um, so this is an adult detention facility, but what's going to happen, um, this is in conjunction with Central Avenue Church in Glendale, um, and so we are going to meet here, if you want to come, at 8.15 on July 21st at 10 a.m., and we are going to carpool up there and have like a multi-denominational worship service. Um, I went up to this space on Friday just to like have like check it out. Like, is it safe? Is this a place where people can bring their kids to a worship service? Because we really want to prioritize the safety of our kids if we're doing a worship experience. And I think it will be very safe. There's um, quite a decent amount of public land just across from the detention facility. And while I was there, I spent about an hour and a half there, I saw like a camera crew just like walk into the parking lot and stop, start filming. There was a taco truck. Um, and so it is very safe. Um, and then if we're asked to move, uh, there's a park just about two miles away that is also public land because um, 
this is where you're holding a church service, and that is just something that you can do on public land. So um, I will be driving. I have space in my car. Um, so if you want a carpool, um, that's definitely an option. But we will have a liturgy. We will sing. We'll read scripture. We'll have Eucharist. Um, and it's just an opportunity for like a, an embodiment of our faith and what we believe um, in front of a place where people are held um, unjustly and in unsafe conditions. So it's just like it's a public statement and a public act of faith. Um, and if you have any questions, you can come find me and ask me. So all of this work is, um, so that will be going on on the 21st and we'll be here worshiping as well on the 21st. Um, and we are, again, all of this work can be very heavy. Um, some of the youth and adults in this room, you may be hearing some of the realities that we're talking about, and whew, there's a lot there. Um, but we talk about this stuff because we believe that God shakes the foundations of the prisons that we find ourselves in and the literal prisons that are, that are around our world um, towards newness. Um, and so the way we're going to finish this time is we're going to pray together. Um, Paul and Silas, they sang and they prayed. And so we're going to sing and pray until the kids all come in. And Jason is going to lead us in that prayer. Jason, Jason's right there. We want to pray for families. We want to pray for nations, ours and others. Our nation is not the only one involved in the atrocities at the border. Um, we need to pray for other nations. Um, we want to pray for the church. We want to pray for people who work in systems like detention centers and jails because they're human beings um, doing work. We want to pray for them. We want to pray for newness, just like this jailer um, in this story. Um, we don't need to predict what all this might look like other than to say, God, have your will and way in the prisons in our lives and in these, in these places that we're talking about today. So Jason, would you lead us in the prayers of the people? Um, musicians, if you could come up and maybe pray from up front. Um, as the kids come back in, we'll pray for a little bit, and then we'll, we'll sing a song as we head to Eucharist.